Hi, I'm Robin Birkin and welcome to the Fertility Warriors podcast, a place for women struggling to conceive to find emotional support, conception advice and real talk. To me, being a warrior means true glory is in rising every time we fall, having the courage to be afraid and being ready for whatever challenges cross our path. So welcome, warrior. You're on your way. I promise to support and guide you on every single episode. Let's begin. Good morning, everyone. So full disclosure, I have tossed up, I've got two episodes that I'm going to do all about implantation and I've really tossed up whether or not to do them. Um, I can obviously see, and this is one of the ways that I structure the podcast, is around what information people want to know. And I've, you know, like asked in various forums that we have, like the Fertility Warriors support and chat group that we have on Facebook and things like that. And people always want to know about implantation. So we're going to talk today about implantation 101 and how to recognize implantation symptoms. And then we are going to talk in the next episode about how to support implantation. However, the core of what I do is about helping you not only get through trying to conceive with grace and, you know, like if we look at the statistics of how people feel during infertility and whilst they're trying to conceive, there is a study that showed that 79% of women trying to conceive showed significant signs of anxiety. There is research out there that suggests that something like 40% of women show significant markers for depression. And there's research out there that shows that about 10% of women who have a failed cycle contemplate, like have suicidal thoughts. So it's a thing. And I am here, my main purpose, there are so many people out here telling you what you need to do and things like this. My main purpose is to help you cope with infertility and all of the emotional stuff, but also fall pregnant sooner. And so I'll be really honest with you. I think that this, what I'm going to tell you today and in the next episode is really interesting. However, I'm not sure that it's productive. So full disclosure, I like I really want to let you know that because I think we can get really caught up and I know on my journey as well, I just got so caught up in trying to find that one tiny little thing that was going wrong and I was constantly Googling, I was feeling anxious all the time about what was happening, what was going wrong. I was completely so anxious during the two-week wait and this is, you know, like it's almost like PM, AM, like pre-miscarriage after my miscarriage because I was after my miscarriage a totally different person. That's the type of person that I want you to be. That's why I have my program, the Fertility Warrior Intensive, and we are getting so many people on the wait list for the program at the moment that we're opening the doors more regularly. And if you'd like to know more about the program, how I help and even jump on the wait list, I have a free PDF download called 
like the three biggest game changers on my journey. And it talks about not like it's not all about mindset. It's about how some of the shifts and changes I made resulted in changes to my treatment, advocating for myself, all sorts of different things. And so if you would like to have a copy of that, if you go to robinburkin.com slash fertility warriors game changes, that's where you will find that. And I cannot tell you how important I think that is as the things that you're focusing on, like focus on yourself, focus on the big things that you can change and have control over. So what I'm going to tell you today, like I think come at it from the standpoint of wonder at how incredible the human body is and how complex things are. Come at it at the standpoint of curiosity, but I'm here to help you fall pregnant sooner, massively sooner. And what I'm going to tell you today, like you don't have a lot of control over this other than doing the basics of good nutrition, doing the basics of making sure that you have the space to receive your baby. That sounds super woo woo, but you need space to have a baby. You need the emotional space and you need like physical space in your house. You need space financially. You need like this, but your body needs the energy. If you have a look at what I'm going to tell you is just some of the stuff that goes on. And obviously I'm not a fertility specialist, but I hopefully can explain everything to you in a really easy way. But you need like your body needs the space to be able to undergo such massive changes and such complex changes. So the best thing that you can do is to support yourself. So that's why what I promote is my game changes free little download PDF. And those are the things that I think that you should focus on instead and leave all the real complicated stuff to your fertility specialist. And we're going to talk in the next episode about what you can do to support implantation. But today we're going to talk about implantation 101, what exactly happens. And it's almost a little bit like fertilization 101. We're going to talk about exactly what happens in an easy to understand way. And then we are going to talk about how to recognize symptoms of implantation. So that was a long intro. Let's start now. So as I said before, it's really complex. I find it incredibly fascinating and hopefully I can explain this to you in a really easy to understand way. So we have to start, I think, basically at the start of implantation or like no, at the start of your cycle as to what happens. So obviously you would know that, you know, inside the ovaries, uh, there's all of these chemical and hormonal processes that go on to develop basically one, in usual circumstances, one dominant oocyte, so like an egg. So it goes through this process of, you know, growing and becoming the dominant follicle and that then like bursts through the ovary wall and goes into the fallopian tube, okay? And this is then when like fertilization and things like that starts occurring, that you will have like, usually you'll have like 200 million sperm enter the vagina, can take like, it takes a good couple of hours and they get to the fallopian tube at that point. And then that's where they start, it starts to like, you know, one of the successful sperm, which at this point through the fallopian tubes is only about 200 sperm then one of them starts this process of trying to bury into the egg. Well, they, a lot of them do, but only one gets through. And there's this, when you have your like oocyte, you have this outside group of cells on the outside, which is called the corona radiata. And 
the sperm like the head of the sperm gets all like liquid and jiggly it starts frantically moving its tail so that it can like burrow through that and there's this other layer then that it gets through that's called the zona pellucida right and i think of this like the eggshell okay so the zona pellucida is the bit that protects the egg from all sorts of things like as it's bouncing around the fallopian tubes and going into the uterus like it's kind of like that protective layer right the sperm head excretes this stuff that kind of dissolves a little bit of the zona pellucida and then it like burrows through like it goes through the different layers and as soon as it gets through in there the zona pellucida stops being receptive to allowing something in and builds this protective you know wall around the outside so that no one else can get in the sperm gets in and then all of these other things happen to then innate like the sperm almost becomes like it's not the sperm head anymore it starts to become into like a cell kind of like what the inside of the egg is and then they start they get together and then they just start reproducing reproducing like double double and at this point the oocyte to morula it changes names as it keeps dividing it is bouncing along the fallopian tube being protected by this zona pellucida the eggshell to get into the uterus and this all even though the sperm takes like a couple of hours to get to the fallopian tubes in actual fact you're like let's call it an egg it actually takes like a few days to get there okay so while it's doing that the cells are multiplying and they then become like a blastocyst which many will know if you've got to like a day five transfer that you have this thing called the blastocyst which is basically like a group of cells and it becomes an embryo at the point where the cells start saying like hands up I'll be a muscle (laughs) I'll be some skeleton I'll be this Uh, so when they start to form like what they want to be that's at the point when it starts to become an embryo but up until that point it's a blastocyst and so it takes quite a while to go through into this like point okay and at around day six is when it gets into the or maybe sometimes a bit earlier like day four is when it goes into the uterine area and implantation typically occurs between day six and day nine Uh, sometimes it can occur like in day 12 but typically around about day eight day nine is when implantation occurs blastocyst bounces around for a while and it spends actually about 72 hours inside the uterus before implanting okay and all sorts of different things happen it's so crazy so your uterine lining or your endometrium the cells change type it gets thicker and swells it starts to produce more glycogen stores it's almost like this corona radiata and the uterine lining like it all starts to try and stick together right basically what happens though is just before this the zona pellucida goes away once you're in the uterus it doesn't need to bounce around the fallopian tubes the the sperm are gone and you then get this outside kind of layer called the tropoblast 
right? So that's the outside layer. And so that starts secreting enzymes. It's almost like your uterine lining and your blastocyst are starting to talk together. And it's like, you know, like a truck <laughs> reversing, like beep, 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 like coming in to land. And they start communicating with each other. It's almost like the endometrium has to give the blastocyst permission to dock okay so and that all happens because of, like they're communicating with each other and submitting hormones to each other and then basically like it dissolves a bit of the lining of the endometrium or the tropoblast it kind of implants in there the tropoblast then becomes your placenta and we start growing from there once we've sort of dissolved a bit and like snuggled in there and got to that point. So and then once that, that's happened, it starts secreting like HCG, which is what signals to the body that you're pregnant. All of these things have to happen for implantation to occur and for your body to recognize that you're pregnant. So what are some of the reasons why implantation might go wrong, even though you've just implanted this blastocyst? So probably one of the most common reasons is that basically your uterine lining was like, you're not coming in here. And that's why we have tests called things like the receptiva is because it's like your uterine lining wasn't receptive to receive this blastocyst. So sometimes that could happen because of like genetic stuff, like it recognized that it wasn't a good genetic match like it wasn't you know genetically right sometimes your uterus can get that wrong uh, it could be your immune system so again like hcg in itself is an immunosuppressant but your body has to not recognize that blastocyst as an invader so often we have women with like autoimmune things going on natural killer cells like your body just doesn't recognize that that's the case and sometimes what can happen is like you know you, if your uterus isn't receptive to receive that embryo it secretes this hormone called trypsin but if it doesn't start secreting that to be like boop, 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 calm and dark then you start to get this stress response in your body and it basically rejects it won't let it implant uh, and then it just dissolves away so there are so many things required for implantation to go right and it's such a crazy crazy process like there, there's so many other things that are happening for implantation to occur but this is also why it takes such a long process like it bounces around in the fallopian tubes for a couple of days then it bounces around in the uterine uterus for a couple of days and then it implants and that's where if it typically will implant day eight or day nine and then takes a while to start secreting HCG at levels that you can recognize through a blood test or through a home pregnancy test, then that is like why you need to wait till day 13, day 14. And sometimes implantation can only occur at day 12, right? This is why you really should just wait to test until you are at that stage and particularly this is particularly why there is absolutely no point in testing right away because it hasn't even bounced out of the fallopian tubes yet it only you only start to get these like hcg secretions when it's starting to implant so if i have one piece of advice right now that we're getting to this point of the podcast it's like 
Seriously, don't test, okay? Uh, Don't test and also just trust that your body is doing what it needs to do because there's literally not a lot else that you can do at this point. So what are some of the hints and tips that you might get that implantation has occurred? So keeping in mind that this would be around about day eight or nine of your cycle. In the majority of cases, it's day eight or nine. Could be as early as day six, like at a stretch probably. Could be as late as day 12, okay? So that's the kind of time that you're looking for that to happen. So what you could have is at around eight or nine days past ovulation, when you have implantation, you have like a sec- you can have a second dip if you're doing tracking your basal body temperature. So it's like after you ovulate, your temperature like goes up, right? And that's how we can usually measure when we're tracking our basal body temperature that ovulation has occurred. But then what you might have is when implantation occurs, you might have another a dip, like it might just go dip down for another day and then rise back up again. Uh, so it's almost like that's the day that implantation might have occurred. When that happens, it's a beautiful, like they call it a triphasic chart. So that's really nice. You'll, you'll have a dip, then you, it'll rise back up again the next day. Okay. So that's one way. It actually, some people say that it only happens in about 25% of cases. So 75% of cases, it will not happen. The next thing that can happen, which is the thing that people we talk about all the time, which I posted, uh, did I post, or maybe I haven't posted it yet on my Instagram, that if you, like, have you even had infertility if you haven't had your period and tried to convince yourself that it was an implantation bleed? We've all been there. I feel like we've all been there, right? Uh, an implantation bleed, again, only happens in like a third of cases. So still 65% of people will not have an implantation bleed. Basically, it's just a little bleed. So again, this is at this like, might be like day, like nine, 10 of your cycle. It might be, might be a tiny little bit of pink blood. might be a tiny little bit of brown blood. Typically wouldn't be blood that has clots in it. And it will be super light. Like when you're wiping a tiny little bit of blood, you shouldn't need more than a panty liner for this. Like it's not that much blood at all. And it typically is not going to come at around day 14 when your period is due. So that's implantation bleeding, super light, like just like spotting really. The next thing that you might have is cramping, like so a little bit of cramping, but you can also have cramping when you have your period. So I mean, shit. And, or you could have pregnancy symptoms. And before I talk about this, there's going to, like a huge disclaimer at the end, which you're, <laughs> I think I'm making it pretty clear about what my views are on this, but pregnancy symptoms. So one of the biggest dead giveaways of pregnancy is sore boobs, like like fucking sore boobs, right? Really sore boobs. You might have a bit of nausea. Can I just say though, and I hope that you remember this, if when you fall pregnant, uh, we talk about morning sickness, morning sickness can actually be a really reassuring thing to have, but it's actually, if you don't get morning sickness, and I had morning sickness only for about a week or two weeks when I had Chloe, and it wasn't even that bad. If you don't have morning sickness, that's not a sign that there's something wrong. Okay. You may have it. You may not have it. You may have terrible morning sickness. It's not a sign that there's something wrong if you have terrible morning sickness either, but you might have nausea. And like, if it's like me, nausea might not come for weeks. You might have tiredness or you might be weeing a lot just because your like endometrial swells, it becomes super vascular, like lots of blood flowing around and things like that. And just that whole, like the action in that area can cause you to need to wee a lot. So here's what I'm going to say. 
say to you though, if you're taking progesterone, you can have implantation bleeding and you will have pregnancy symptoms because the pregnancy symptoms are caused by progesterone. So if you're taking progesterone, it's like you're tricking your body. Also, when you have a trigger shot, that's a shot of HCG. It's really hard if you're undergoing IVF to rely really on any of these, okay? Like I said as well, it takes quite some time for your body to experience implantation. If you've taken HCG, you can get a false reading on your cycle. So what do I recommend during this time? A lot of people have asked me, we've had this discussion in the Facebook group for the Fertility Warrior Intensive is called the Fertility Warrior Family. And so we get the question, like, I've just had my transfer, like, what do I do now? And as I said, on the next episode, I'll talk to you about how to support implantation. But it's really a time during the two-week wait for you to be and not do. So it's a time for you to stop the franticness of trying to conceive, Googling everything, being really anal about everything. I firmly believe that now is a time for you to basically just nourish your body and mind and look after yourself, take care of yourself. Like imagine that you were someone who needed taking care of and nourishing and being really kind and graceful with. And that is what I think you should do rather than Googling obsessively for implantation symptoms, rather than trying to figure out what might happen or what might happen, because what is going to happen is going to happen in this cycle. And that you, you don't have a lot of control during the two week wait, whether or not your endometrial lining is receptive to receiving your blastocyst. There's not a lot that you can do at the time during the two-week wait to make sure that happens. I did a, a quite a funny post. If you Google like don't test during the two-week wait Robin Birkin, you'll come along the, across this post that has a whole bunch of gifts in it about 10 reasons why I believe you shouldn't test and one of those reasons is because implantation occurs so late that sometimes it might be literally day 14 by the time that you'll know and you can get such false readings when you're taking hcg as well but i do think that there's benefit in understanding how things work and understanding just how complex it is and just how amazing our bodies are and our bodies everything that our body does is designed to try and help us and designed to be in our best interest so please know that your body is trying its hardest to work with you and do the right thing by you. Sometimes, yep, our bodies get it wrong. But now is a time, if you are in the two-week wait, to try and be, to just lean towards joy, look after yourself, take it easy, show yourself grace. And I will talk in the next episode to you about how to support yourself during implantation and how to support implantation to I guess, increase the chances of success. So I hope to chat with you at that next episode. I hope this was helpful. Can you please reach out to me on the DMs on Instagram and tell me if that was helpful and also whether that was easy to understand as well. It's a very complex process. So hopefully I did an okay job, but I'll catch you at the next episode. Thanks guys. Oh, Nelly, don't go anywhere just yet. I need to tell you about a few more things before you go. The first one is that if you haven't signed up to my Ultimate Fertility Library, then you're missing out. 
I have a library of resources just for you and you can get access at robinburkin.com slash library. There are cheat sheets, ebooks, meditations, affirmations, and so much more, and it's all free. Head to robinburkin.com slash library to get access today. And lastly, warrior, I'm not a doctor or a dietitian or a financial advisor. I'm me. And this information is for information and inspirational purposes only, based on my own experiences. So please don't substitute the information in this podcast for professional healthcare, financial or other advice. Always consult your own professionals first. And know that in the world of trying to conceive, there are no guaranteed pregnancy or other outcomes. If you'd like to know more about my terms and conditions, head to my website at robinburkin.com. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you next week.